Okay, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Punting on Third College Football Podcast. My name, as always, is Tommy McGowan, joined with my co-host Eric Huesberg here. And a big week of college football this past weekend. It finally is starting to feel real, the 2020 season. The SEC kicked off. Um, we saw probably our most stacked slate of games of this season so far. Yep. And uh, Big Ten football is going to be returning soon. Three weeks until Big Ten, Pac-12 yep. a little bit after and, that. Uh, our favorite uh, Big Ten player, Rashad Bateman, opted back in and is eligible. For oh, of course. News for us Gopher fans. Of course, of course. So we were going to kick off the pod, though, with the Big 12. Because it had a, another terrible weekend. It's been, what, like three weekends in a row where the Big 12 has just had a bad week. Yeah. And Not well. Oklahoma, who, you know, is still was still probably the favorite going in this weekend. A loss to Kansas State. Second straight season, Kansas State beats Oklahoma. Yep. And, and that was surprising because Oklahoma's up pretty big on them. I, I didn't even watch this game until late in the fourth because Oklahoma yeah. had a comfortable lead for pretty much the whole game until the fourth quarter. And uh, I, I don't know what happened. Was, I think there were a lot of miscues. And turnovers, such. turnovers, bad defense, bad tackling. It's yep. And we saw Spencer Rattler look like a freshman. Yeah, I see my takeaways from this game. Spencer Rattler got a lot of hate. But I don't think that he was, like, the biggest issue with Oklahoma. I think Oklahoma's offense, their skill positions are the weakest they've been in a long time. Like, I think the, the loss of Kennedy Brooks was a huge factor. And I also think that not having Ramondre Stevenson there at running back has a big effect because they're starting to tr- basically the true freshman starting running back in Seth McGowan, who is going to be a good player, but we don't. He's a true freshman. We can't expect him to light the world on fire. Well, their uh, their leading receiver or the guy that was getting a ton of targets was Drake Stoops, who I believe right. obviously related to the Stoops. Uh, a little bit of nepotism there. But, like, he's, like, not like a – if you think about what Oklahoma's had a receiver in just the past, like, five years compared to what they have now, it's a stark difference. But I also think that some of these – the loss of some of these wide receivers like uh, Treyon Bridges and uh, Jadon Hazelwood also has a pretty big effect. And, and receivers like Charleston Rambo hasn't really been uh, – out-of-this-world talent wide receivers we have seen come out of Oklahoma over the past year. And, uh, exactly. I I am – I don't know about you. I mean, this doesn't make me, like, completely give up on the Sooners because they lost to Kansas State a year ago and still won the Big 12, obviously. But I am concerned about this Oklahoma team. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, I don't think – this is probably like the weakest Oklahoma team they've had. Since Lincoln Riley took over for sure, and I'm trying to think, it was, this might be going too far too early, but it's probably the weakest team since that, what, 8-5 team in 2014. The one that uh, beat Alabama in the Sugar Bowl. Well, it was the year after they beat Alabama, and they were like preseason number three or four, and Trevor Knight was like a preseason Heisman 
finalist guy. So yeah. I'm concerned. Uh, and the yeah, bi- and then even like uh, Texas, the other presumed favorite, uh, struggled with Texas Tech, and Texas Tech two weeks before did almost lost Houston Baptist. <laughs> Yeah, this was such an opportunity for Texas to come out and be like, yeah, we're the Big 12 favorites, beat up on this Texas Tech team. And they looked bad, too. I mean, the offense obviously looked good enough to drop 63 against a bad Texas Tech defense. But, like, Texas is not going to be competitive unless their own defense starts to play significantly better. And they were bad in this game. They were really bad. Yeah. And the Chris Ash hire is not looking too well for the, the Longhorns. Well, I think he, you know, I'm not ready to, like, completely give up on that hire yet because he had, like, not much of an off season. But, yep. yeah, he's a he good have, D coordinator. But yep. And he does have some good defensive players down there, like, Talent-wise, they're yeah. Talent-wise, they're a really talented defense, but for some reason, it has not showed up at all. Yeah. Uh, another. I think the highlight for the Big Twelve would be Iowa State TCU. That was probably the really fun game to watch. Uh, uh, it was nice seeing Iowa State get back into the win column after you know basically getting embarrassed by Louisiana and Oklahoma State also. Oklahoma State looked, looked all right. They, they beat West Virginia. Quarterback. And I don't think Chuba Hubbard's healthy. Yeah, he's been – I don't think he's healthy either. And when you have a true freshman at quarterback, it's pretty easy to key in on Chuba mm-hmm. even when he is out there. Um, but, like, my question to you is who in the heck is the Big 12 favorite right now? You know, I think I'll have to go with Texas here. I think that um, I think the Texas Tech game might have had a little bit too much to do with it, but I do think Texas Tech is an improved team. And I think that, uh, I don't know, I, I'm going to go with Texas here, but I wouldn't be surprised if Baylor ended up winning it again or one of these other schools out of nowhere. Yeah, I, it's, it's absolutely wide open. And, like, Baylor, we saw the first action of them. It was against Kansas, so you don't know how much to take away from that. But, like, none, nobody has impressed me at all in the Big 12. So, I think no. it's going to be a very chaotic, chaotic season. There. With a healthy, a healthy Spencer Sanders and a healthy Chuba Hubbard, I would say Oklahoma State. But, um... When is Spencer Sanders supposed to return? I'm not sure. I think I don't think it was a very serious, super serious injury. Um, I'm not. I believe he's questionable for this next week or their next game. But I'm not sure how long. So we'll see. But I I do agree that a health a Healthy Oklahoma State, with the way their defense has played so far this season, I feel more confident than probably any other team, but I'm still not super confident at this point. Yeah. So we move on. The ACC, 
not a lot of big games in the ACC this week. Um, uh, I think the the biggest game of the week, well, it was Florida State Miami, but uh, I don't know why college game day went there. I feel like there's better games to go to. Well, yeah, um, it was a you know it's a rivalry game. Florida State was uh, supposed to be. Better. I just want to touch on how bad Florida State has looked in the past. Their first two games, and. I don't know if it's Mike Norvell. Well, he wasn't even coaching this game, though. He was. He was not even. He's got. He had the corona. So. Yeah, but all right, but you know what I mean. He's brought him in as a probably the biggest hire of the offseason, as in going from a small school going to Florida State, and I kind of went not impressed. I thought Georgia Tech was like a better team when they beat Florida State, and I thought they were going to be, like, on the up and up, but they kind of suck. <laughs> um, and I think Louisville, I think Florida State has a chance to be this year's Louisville, but they have to move on from James Blackman, and they have to start Jordan Travis. That's the only way their offense moves the ball is with him. Yeah, this, like, this Florida State team, I mean, I, I don't think a lot of people thought it could get any worse in the Willie Taggart era. But wow, this team sucks. And I don't even know, like, I agree with what you're saying that, like, the SIP has shaled on James Blackman at quarterback. But their offensive line is so bad, I don't trust anybody to be able to run that offense. And their defense, like, their defense doesn't even look like it's trying. Like, it's, I think it's a talented defense, and it could be a really good defense. But, like, the effort. The discipline, it's not there at all. And yeah, and like uh, on the other hand, I came away, I kind of expected Miami to dominate this game. By the way, they've been playing uh, D.R. King, Cameron Harris, and this rushing attack for Miami went all over the seminal defense. And I think that I, I don't want to buy in Miami yet, but I am a lot. I have a lot more confidence in them not disappointing me like they did last year yeah i agree that's where i'm at you know i don't want to buy too much into the hype here because we've seen this miami story before but it's hard not to be impressed with the first three games from them so they play clemson next and that will be a huge uh huge measuring stick for them and the team that i'm on team that i'm kind of low-key kind of is just kind of hanging around there as a Torino beat a Louisville. Yeah, I'm uh, telling you, dude. I liked Pitt going into the season. They're not not a super flashy team offensively, but I like their defense a lot. And they just get the job done. They're, yeah, you know. Turn the ball over and they play good football. And uh, the funniest thing, I don't know who was, was watching at the college football halftime. And... They literally said, don't be surprised if you hear this name on Sunday. Kenny Pickett. Sorry, <laughs> I think so hard. Well, he is that, he's that type of college quarterback that was mediocre for four seasons then goes on to have like a 10-year NFL career as a backup. He's like a C.J. Beathard. Yeah. That's basically his comparison. Yeah. Any other ACC notes? Virginia uh, Tech won by three touchdowns. Yep. Uh, is there a quarterback controversy in uh, Blacksburg? Hey, I've. We'll see. I mean, Quincy Patterson came on pretty good after Braxton Burmester got hurt. 
I still don't think NC State's that good. No. Um, their offense looked really bad in this one, actually. But, hey, Virginia Tech could be interesting. Yep. Um, there's some interesting game this week uh, in the ACC that we're going to touch on later. But uh, Let's talk about what we came here to talk about, and that is the SEC. Yes. SEC football is back and better than ever. Uh, we have to get it out of the way, but KJ Costello going off for 600 yards against LSU, torching the secondary and uh, a Derek Stinkley less secondary. Um, it's really impressive. Uh, I don't think he would throw for 600 yards if Derek Stingley was not sick. But I, what I think that I didn't. I, I didn't think LSU played bad. Yeah, I agree. I think, well, like, my thoughts on this one is, first off, I thought it was a really fun game to watch. It was, it was probably the game, best game of the day. And secondly, the Bo Pelini hire <laughs> is going to be scrutinized now quite a bit. And I understand, like you mentioned, Stingley was out with... So I think he had, like, an allergic reaction is what I heard. But, like, I don't know what the defensive game plan was for LSU going into this game and over the four quarters. It it just I looked like, like they had the no game, game plan. Actually, the only player I came away and touched was on the Tiger defense with the... Jabril Cox? NDSU, Jabril Cox, NDSU transfer. You know, got a pick six, uh, kind of got the offense rolling. But I thought Miles Brennan played well. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't hate the Miles Brennan performance, honestly. No, I, I Marshall uh, established himself as that lead wide receiver that we expected him to be, especially since Jamar Chase opted out. Well, the thing I I want to point to on the LSU offensive performance is for everybody blaming this loss on Miles Brennan. Like, if you look at this offense, the O-line clearly took a huge step back. It only has one starter back. Didn't they lose all five starters? I think they have one. Austin Deculus, I believe, was a starter last year and is back. And their O-line, like, got outplayed by Mississippi State, who has some good players, but not, like, a top-notch line. And it's clear the receiver core took a step back. And even, like, the ground game, you would expect to be kind of the strength of the offense because it's probably the most experienced, deepest part of this offense, right now at least. It looked bad, too, so... Yep. I don't think anyone really uh, stood out too much for the Tigers on running the ball, but... uh, Yeah, it was very underwhelming. Very underwhelming uh, running the football. Most amount of yards, but... um, so what does this? What do you think of Mississippi State after this? Because they're gonna get some hype now because they did just beat the defending champion and look good doing so. Is this actually an SEC West contender? Um, if we look at their schedule, I say they're not a contender until they get Texas A&M at home in a couple weeks. I think. Um, I think they can beat Arkansas and Kentucky, but I wouldn't be surprised if one of these teams beats Mississippi State. Way going by the way we know college football and how every year we have one early season darling that just ends up being 
Kind of mediocre. Yeah, I think that I, I think Mississippi State is gonna be like a. I think they're still probably like a six-win team. That's gonna be really fun to watch. Gonna be exciting every week when they step on the field, but still far from like a legit contender. But hey, I mean, I'm completely down for this being a really fun team. And, uh, Mike Leach answered all questions about if the air raid can work. In, in I mean, SEC West. I know. How about that? For all the questions about will it work in the SEC first game, he throws for an SEC record. Like, that is so Mike Leach to a T. And I can't wait for Mike Leach versus Nick Saban. Oh, I know. I know. That's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. But it's going to be a fun game. It's coming up in a couple weeks as well. What but, was uh, the other big one? I don't know if this is the Florida Ole Miss game. No. wasn't like as exciting but we learned a lot about probably both yeah. these teams what were your immediate thoughts i thought i was really impressed with the kyle to kyle connection on the florida offense uh kyle pitts definitely established himself as a probably the best tight end in college football right now that pat fryer moved is out and i don't know anyone else that could really uh make a stake in the claim for best tight end brevin jordan brevin jordan's probably the other one but um Kyle Pitts had a monster game, and he bodied the Ole Miss defense. And um, but out, even it wasn't even him; it was Kadarius Tony, Zartavis Pierce, Malik Davis. Everyone just had a great day torching Ole Miss's defense. But I could also say the same thing about Ole Miss's offense torching the LF, I mean, not Florida defense. Yeah, I thought that was actually the the big thing to take away from this one. Florida's. Obviously very impressed by the offense, but like this defense we expect to be pretty good, I would think. And they did not look great. I understand it was kind of a tough matchup because they didn't really know what they were getting from Ole Miss going into this one. But they did not look – they let up a lot of big plays. Elijah Moore had 227 receiving yards. Matt Corral was pretty dominant. is a better wide receiver than his infamous pissing celebration. <laughs> yeah, it's that I I'm not going to say I'm super concerned about Florida's defense after one game. Um, yeah, and I think Ole Miss's offense has the potential to be really good. Matt Corral looked comfortable running the Lane Kiffin offense. Uh, they used John Reese Plumley how I expected him to be used, and um, yeah, and I think Florida's defense is gonna. Yeah, better. I think uh, the loss of Jabari Zuniga, Jonathan Grenard, CJ Henderson, CJ Henderson, all had a big impact on this team. Even though Marco Wilson's really good, Keir Elam's good. I think they have the talent at, on on the defense that Dan Mullen's gonna. Who are they playing this week? Um, Florida. Yeah. Um. South Carolina. I I think that the. I think they use this game to put on a show about how good their defense could be. Yeah, I think for both Mississippi schools, I came away like impressed because we had no idea what to think of these two teams. And they were fun to watch. They were really fun to watch. I don't know if they're going to be very good necessarily, but... I'm going to have fun watching both these teams yeah, going forward. I, um, I didn't really have fun watching Georgia play. Yes, yeah, so let's talk about this. So Georgia... I think, uh, 
beats Arkansas. When I uh, hired Todd Monken as your OC, was expected to have Jamie Newman run offense, and it's going to be Joe Burrow again, like coming out of nowhere, transfer, establish them and win the national title. Jamie Newman opts out. JT Daniels transfers in about a couple weeks before Jamie Newman opts out. And still coming off a torn ACL, and they have to start DeWan Mathis, who's coming off a torn ACL himself. And DeWan Mathis sucks. <laughs> That's just what I have to say. No, yeah, he played atrocious. This He and played really bad. It is really fun watching all this. Georgia fans, there's every school I hate. In like in each conference, because I hate because of their fans. I think Georgia fans are the team I hate the most. Like Uh, fans, I hate the most in the SEC, just because they're so. I don't know. They're just pretty annoying. But um, I well, they kind of turned. They were down seven five at halftime. The defense played really well, but Stetson Bennett probably looked like Jake Fromm out there. I mean, that's kind of how I expect like a Georgia offense to run. But, and I didn't come away really too impressed with Samir uh, White. Yeah, I didn't come away impressed with Georgia's no. offense at all in this one. I think Florida and Georgia are flipped on the side that I'm not worried about Georgia's defense. I think Georgia's defense could be the best defense in the SEC and even the best in the nation. They have the talent, and they definitely have the coaching and, and the tr- tradition of having really good defense. And that this week's going to tell us a lot about Georgia yeah, JT Daniels, I believe, just got cleared yeah, earlier this week. I don't know. I don't know if they're gonna start him. I I think they probably might. I wouldn't be surprised if Stetson Bennett gets the start, but Daniels comes in yeah, or at least Stetson plays. Bennett looked fun. I think he it's like an Aaron Murray, Hudson Mason type Georgia quarterback. He's not gonna be group. He's not gonna be like horrible, but he's just gonna be like. A field game manager. But not the quarterback they need if they want to win a national title. That's... T. Daniels, I think, could be that guy. Five-star talent. Um... <coughs> kind of got a lot, lots of jobs at Keenan Slovis. Look at his opportunity to thrive in the SEC. But, um, yeah, I, I'm looking forward to the Georgia-Auburn. It's going to tell us a lot about each team. And... That should be the next game we should talk about is uh, Auburn-Kentucky. Yeah, Auburn-Kentucky. This was, a, this was a game that I thought Kentucky might win. I thought they were a trendy pick, but I figured Auburn would win late. But um, I don't know. I, I came away not – I mean, the Chad Morris debut with Bonix. Bonix looked fine. I think he actually looked pretty good for – like, Kentucky's pass defense was actually really good last year. And Bo Nix had some really impressive throws, I thought. And, like, Seth Williams, I'm excited to see that connection this season. Because I think it could be Anthony Schwartz. Could be a pretty explosive offense, honestly. And, um, who do you think is going to step up in the running game? Because, you know, the, the staple of the Gus Malzahn coach team is always having – a thousand yard rusher, and a lot of people thought it was going to be TJ DJ Williams or Sean Shivers, but I 
like this guy, and I think he has a great name for a running back. And if your name is Tank, you have to be good at running back. Tank Bigsby, baby. Tank Bigsby is going to be the next star either in running back, and it's going to be a a name worth watching because I think he is going to be a star. Yeah, I, that's exactly what I was going to go with. He's certainly the guy in this backfield with the most upside. Um, and E.J. Williams, I would say. So, yeah, I think by the end of the year, he's kind of going to be the guy. Um, what are your thoughts on Kentucky? Um, <clears throat> I don't think Kentucky played bad in their own, own sense, but I think that uh, the O-line and the running game is going to take them as far but they don't have the vertical passing that uh, – well, they didn't really have it with Lynn Bowden either, but Lynn Bowden was a generational talent for Kentucky that can play any position on the offense. But Yeah, no, Terry Wilson um, first came back. Terry Wilson losing his job. Yeah, Joey Gaywood just got cleared, eligible. Um, it's weird, though. They're like – I think – relatively similar to quarterback builds. They're not we know they're good runners. We do not know if they can make the passes necessary. Like I I haven't seen enough of Joey Gaywood to think that he's gonna be a really good downfield thrower. When he's a four star quarterback for a reason he can pass the ball. So Hey uh, we'll see. Struggle offensively again, I wouldn't be surprised if they throw Joey Gatewood in there. And, and um Well I think we just saw Rust from Terry Wilson too. Like yeah. he has not played a game in literally a year. So we saw some understandable Rust. I'm not like worried about Kentucky. Um and I think they outplayed Auburn for a lot of this football game, but Yep, and Auburn kinda of pulled away late, which Kind of what we expected. Kind of, yeah, kind of right up the alley there. The score for my game was like 24-14. So it's really close to the 26-14. Uh, yeah, and then next up is uh, Crimson Tide of Bama. I came away pretty impressed with, I kind of thought that's how the game would go. Once they put their backups in, Missouri would get more opportunity. But I don't think Missouri played this game like super bad. No, this like, was this is another game that kind of went the way I expected. Alabama builds a lead early, looks pretty comfortable, but yeah, I will yeah, say Missouri played hard. Missouri played really hard, and like I think they're not going to be a pushover in the SEC. They might not win a lot of games, but no. But I do like the Drinkle attire. I think that uh, I think he's the right guy for to lead the Missouri Missouri Tigers back to relevance in the SEC. Do you want to talk about A&M and Vanderbilt? Because that was a shit show. <laughs> that was pretty bad. And I think uh, Texas A&M has got to get their head out of their ass if they have any chance to be relevant in the SEC. They have a huge opportunity uh, going to Bama. And um, I don't know. I, I'm looking forward to this game every year. It seems to me that Alabama A&M is always a really hyped up afternoon SEC game and Alabama just destroys them yeah I yeah we'll obviously talk about it doing our picks but A&M has this weird thing where they just they play down to the weakest opponents and then I think they do play well they have played well in the past 
against some of their stronger teams. But like this was such an underwhelming way to start their season. And yeah. this is a and, team. I mean, I can't really more impressed with Vanderbilt and Ken Seals, the true freshman starting up against this really pretty underrated Texas A&M defense. Hey, Vanderbilt heard all off season that once the SEC or all abbreviated off season that once the SEC went to a ten game schedule, they were going to go zero and ten. So, hey, I think. They certainly have some motivation to play for um, going forward. And, yeah, they to be a touchdown game against A&M, who we think is an SEC West contender, I definitely came away impressed. But Yep. Uh, yeah. So, anything anyone else talk about in the realm of college football? Uh, I think we got to hit our uh, helmet stickers here. Yeah. You can, you can okay. start with offense. All right. My offensive helmet sticker um, – I, there was pretty two obvious choices, so I chose uh, Kyle Trask here. Um, 416 yards, six touchdowns, and the Kyle to Kyle connection that uh, people knew was coming but couldn't stop. Uh, that was a very impressive game from Kyle Trask, and, and uh, threw himself into the Heisman conversation here. Yeah, so I'll go with mine. You said there was two obvious ones. I'll take the other obvious answer, which is KJ Costello. SEC record in his debut, 623 yards. He did turn the ball over um, a few times, but... That that comes in a mic. Yeah, that comes in an air raid offense. We kind of expected that. But, I mean, to come from the Pac-12, he didn't really play much in 2019 because of injury. Comes to the SEC and balls out. You'll love to see it. Good redemption story. And uh, who do you, who's your defensive helmet sticker? I, I, I think I have a name that you probably don't have. So I went searching for someone, and the name I came up with, dang, I had it, I had it up here, and then I just lost it. One sec. Who's yours? Uh, Jordan McPherson. Yeah, that's, that's who I consider. That isn't mine, but... This is another name that I looked up that was pretty good. This is, okay, this is who mine is. The UTSA Roadrunner linebacker, true freshman, Jamal Ligon, had 19 tackles and one and a half sacks in UTSA's win over Middle Tennessee. The UTSA, I believe, is 3-0 and now. So yeah, I'm, I'm all aboard the Frank Wilson train. What if UTSA goes to a new... New Year's Six Bowl. I would love it. I, I think uh, any <laughs> small Texas school, I would. All right, now it's time to hit our picks. Ah, uh, yes, the picks for week five, technically. Yeah. Um, what game do we want to start off with here? Uh, we can start off with the UNC Boston College. Uh, I would oh. say probably the best ACC game going on. A sneaky good game going on in that 230 slot so far. Damn, Yorkovich. 
I'm all uh, aboard the Phil Yurkovich hype train. I call this game the clash of the titans at quarterback because you have Sam Howell versus Phil Yurkovich. Um, and Phil Yurkovich like legit has played well. He didn't he didn't look as good this past week against Texas yeah, and State. You know, you know who's been really disappointing is uh, David Bailey. He's the next Indeed. big bruiser from the Boston College. But the Jeff Halfley offense doesn't emphasize running the ball as much as the Steve Adazio offense. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're seeing it now. Yeah, so I so my pick in this one, I'm gonna go. So I'll I'll definitely take the Tar Heels. Um, I'm gonna go like thirty-one seventeen. That's actually my score prediction. <laughs> <laughs> How about that? We did not plan that. I can pull it up on my phone. You can see the. I don't know if you can see the thirty-one seventeen. Oh yep. <laughs> thirty-one, but I I think that's a that's a good fair score. I think that uh, I think it, I think Boston College plays some tough for a couple. Maybe like three quarters, and I think uh, I think it gets out of hand a little too late for um, the Eagles. But um, not not I would say like if if Boston College wins this game, I I would be all happy for it. Cause I I'll I'll join the Eagles bandwagon if they beat UNC. So next game, this is a game we talked about as. It's not going to get as much hype as some of the other games here, but this is like a really important game for the American Athletic. And that is yeah. Memphis going on the road at SMU. This is another 2.30 slot game on ESPN2. This is going to be a good one. Yeah. Uh, Memphis hasn't played in... Like a month. A couple weeks yeah. <laughs> and they're without Kenneth Gainwell. But Rodriguez Clark... It's taking over that running back position. But I there is an underrated player for SMU and he's a freshman. Ulysses Bentley, baby. Ulysses Bentley. <laughs> averaging ten point six yards a carry. That is insane. No matter who they're playing, he's a guy that people aren't talking enough about. But I think he's gonna have a huge game and that's why I'm picking SMU to beat Memphis. Oh wow. Okay. And I like Shane Duchelle, my never-graduate award winner. Okay, so I have a few comments on this game. First off, we definitely haven't talked about this on the pod, and we need to. Did you know that SMU's co-offensive coordinator, one of them, Garrett Riley, is Lincoln Riley's younger brother? No, I did not know that. that. He literally looks exactly like him. Offensive coordinator and quarterback's coach, SMU. So... Nice. Not that that's important, but I think that's something we needed to hit this on. This is a game, the over-under for this game is at 74 and a half. Yeah, there's going to be some points. Last, I mean, you look at last year's game, how much, I forget the final score, but there was... Well, like 63, like 55 or something like that, and then this one. Yeah, there's going to be some points, breakneck speed. I, I like the SMU pick, but I think Memphis is a... Better all around team. I think the Mustangs may have like a better offense just at first glance. And I'm sticking with the Tigers. I think they're maybe a little bit of a safer pick even on the road here. What's what's your score prediction? Uh, 48 45 SMU. So a late field goal SMU wins. Yeah, I think it's going to be somewhere in that range. I'll go 52, Memphis 52, SMU. 
42. So, I, I'm so, I'm going to put money on that over. Um, should we talk about the Alabama-Texas A&M game next? Sure. All right. Well, this is a matchup. Uh, uh, you know, I can see Texas A&M playing them really tough. But my gut is telling me that Bama is the best team in college football not named Clemson. Oh. And I think... The offense with Najee Harris, Jalen Waddle, Devonta Smith, and Matt Jones playing really well. And, you know, the defense is still going to be really good with Dylan Moses and Joshua McMillan. And remember the name Will Anderson because he is going to be the next great Alabama linebacker. And I think they the defense puts on a show, and I think the offense puts on a show too. And I have Bama winning big. How big? 45-17. Oh, wow. Wow. Okay. Until Texas A&M can prove to me that they are worthy of me gaining their trust of being good, I'm still going to consider them an 8-5 team. Yeah, this is a huge game for Jimbo Fisher because it's year three now at A&M. I don't think they they don't need to beat Alabama in this game, but they do need to be competitive. And I think they can, but my worry with AM is I don't really fear their receivers. I think Kellen Mann he has traditionally played pretty well in bigger games, but I think this passing offense is really gonna struggle against Alabama. And defensively, like you said, the defense is improved, but Alabama just has so many guys they can throw at you. Yeah, and, and I think Jalen Waddle is going to supplant Devonta Smith as that wide receiver one, and I think him and I think he's going to be that. That's going to be a top ten pick or top fifteen draft pick too, along with Jamar Chase. Yeah, he had a big game in the opener. I I agree with that I think he's going to be kind of their go to guy. And Najee Harris was really impressive too. So like Alabama, I I'm and, feeling your uh, hype. I, I think I really want to see Bryce Young and Trey Sanders play uh, some garbage time minutes just to see what they look like. Because uh, I just like watching the future of Alabama football play in garbage time. Yeah, so I am also going to be picking Alabama. Um, I'm not going to pick quite the blowout that you have. I think they win by two touchdowns. I think 35-21 is what I got as my final. Next game on uh, the agenda is Oklahoma-Iowa State. Um, This game would be a little bit bigger game if Oklahoma wouldn't have lost to Kansas State and Iowa State wouldn't have lost to Louisville. But it's still a good game. Every year they play each other. Iowa State always plays. Oklahoma tough. They they probably could... should have won against Oklahoma last year, but uh, no call to PI. Um, got a pick uh, on a two point conversion with no time left in the game, basically. But I think Iowa State plays them tough again. I think Spencer Rattler learned from his mistakes, and I think one of these guys is going to uh, step up. And I think that, um, I think like one of these wide receivers is going to have a big game, and I feel like. Seth McGowan's going to establish himself as that lead running back for the Lincoln Riley. 
Yeah, I... So, my kind of opinion on this is I can't even imagine how much hype there would be around this game if these two teams had not lost, obviously. But also, going into Ames, Iowa at night is always a little bit scary. Are they allowing fans in the, in the stadium? I believe so. Obviously, very limited and socially distanced. But I believe there is going to be fans in the stands. And yeah, like Ames is like a tough place to play on Saturday night for a Oklahoma team that still has high aspirations. Um, I'm not sure how the Iowa State defense will play in this one. Um, they've played pretty well against Oklahoma by comparison to the rest of the Big 12. Um, But I haven't come away super impressed with Iowa State's offense, actually. Brock Purdy has been just kind of okay. Brees Hall, kind of the same thing. They don't really have a go-to guy at receiver. I mean, Charlie Kohler Kohler at tight end is really good. But um, I don't think they have the horses to keep up with the Sooners for an entire 60 minutes. uh, The style of play, I think, matches up with Oklahoma's defense better than why well, the way Kansas State plays like controlling the ball and like good defense and I think Iowa State's defense is not that good yeah well, it, it is good but I don't think it's as good as Kansas State's and I think they're gonna play a lot more hungry because they want to prove that they're still a contender in the college football playoffs and the Big 12 yep so I got Oklahoma winning, but I think Oklahoma wins close. 38-31 Oklahoma. Yeah, so I kinda that's kinda where I'm at too. I got I'll take Oklahoma forty two, Iowa State thirty-five. Yeah. Touchdown Pretty. late. Then the game of the week, Deep South's oldest rivalry. Oh yeah. Uh usually this is a mid afternoon CBS game, but because of Alabama and then we get it on ESPN at 6.30. Uh, it is going to be an interesting matchup. I really like Auburn's defense. And I really like Georgia's defense. I don't really like their offenses too much. But I think Georgia's defense is really good. And I want to see how these corners cover Seth Williams and Anthony Schwartz. And how Gus Malzahn is going to try to get that run game going against that vaunted Georgia D-line. Yeah, I've gotten so back and forth in how I view this game. uh, Because I agree completely. Georgia's defense, I feel very comfortable with. Um, But their offense, I just have no idea what to expect going into this week. I think uh, Samir White's going to have a bigger game than he had. I think he's going to have more than 14 carries. Because I think uh, Todd Monken tried having them play the spread offense when they're bread and butter is round and pound. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised to see them really ground and pound early. Yeah, and, and I, think, get... uh, I think that's what I think. I think we're going to see Todd Monken kind of adapt his system to way the way the players are good. And I think that JT Daniels does play. Um, I don't know how long he's going to play. But I definitely think he's going to get some snaps because I think Stetson Bennett can run this offense well, and um, and I think Bolinix is going to struggle against a defense of this caliber. And I don't think one of these running backs is going to 
have a big game against. I think their run game is going to struggle, and when Auburn's run game struggles and you're, for, you're forcing Bo Nix to win the game through the air, it doesn't really go out too well. So I'm going to take Georgia here. The spread is six and a half. I'm have them cover 21-14. I think that was the score last year, but that's how I have it going. Georgia 21-14, late. Yeah, I I'm also going to pick Georgia just because. I trust them a little bit more right now. Um, but, like, I think this has a chance to be a pretty sloppy game. Like, yep, that kind of that that SEC, like, dog dog fight for an entire four quarters. Neither offense really is great, but one gets the job done. And uh, I kind of like your score prediction, actually. I'm going to go 2017 Georgia, I think, late field goal. Or maybe Auburn like misses a field goal, but um, Georgia close, I think, uh, is how I'm feeling too. Yeah, and uh, now it's time for the super dogs. The, very oh, you want to do upset pick? Upset pick too. Uh, my uh, who's your upset pick? So mine is the Missouri Tigers going on the road to Knoxville and talking taking down. The number 21 Tennessee Volunteers. That's why I have as well. This is such a clear look-ahead game for Tennessee because after this, they go at Georgia and then Kentucky, Alabama next. So three games that, you know, are not not the easiest to play. Well, you um, know know Tennessee's looking ahead. And, like, Missouri. I think the – way that Eli Franklin wants his offense is running the ball and not turning the ball over and ball control. And uh, I think Sean Robinson runs the offense well, and I think Larry Roundtree is an underrated SEC running back. And I think that this game is 28-24, and I think that uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I think Missouri has the potential to be a really good team. Yeah, I do too. Um, and doesn't it kind of feel like this Tennessee team is bound to lose a game they shouldn't? Oh, for sure. It's, it's a Tennessee win. Like, I, I, thought, I thought they were going to lose last week to South Carolina as, with all that hype surrounding them, and then they lose one to a very beatable South Carolina team. Yeah, um, my score, yeah what's your score prediction? Uh, 27-21. Tigers. All right, who's your super dog pick? I'm pretty sure I might have the same super dog pick as you. My super dog is actually a Friday night game. Ooh. And that is BYU-Louisiana Tech. What's the spread for that game? That is 23 and a half is the spread. 24 and a half now. Okay, so that I even like it more. I think BYU's looked really good, but like Louisiana Tech is also 2-0. and and yeah, and offense, let's, let's get pulled to offense. Yeah, they'll play them tough, dude. I, I, I was shocked to see the line that high. I know BYU's look good again, but like, this is wow. A by, I, I, if this is an underrated matchup, then I'm definitely going to watch. And yeah, the old runners like 60. And I feel like, uh, I don't know. Mine mine is a pretty fun one. Uh, I'm all aboard this uh, UTSA being good. <laughs> I'll have them covering the 20 and a half point spread against uh, UAB. I made my bet already. This is my uh, 
my big college football bet of the day, bet of the week. <laughs> the UTSA money line bet. <laughs> That's such a degenerate college football betting move to put all the money on UTSA, but no, I love it. like five bucks, but. So I'm, I'm, I bet money on Mississippi State money line, and that was pretty fun. I'm, I'm intrigued to see uh, what uh, Quintez Cephas' brother continues to do. I'm pretty sure oh. it's Joshua Cephas. I'm pretty sure it's his brother. So, yeah, we'll see. And then, uh, yeah. Anything else you want to go over? Uh, you know, I don't think so. I think, uh, you know, it's going to be another fun week, hopefully. And st- yep. it's like starting to feel like an actual college football yep. season. So. Leaves are starting to change colors. I get to wake up hungover watching an 11 a.m. college football game, which is nice. That's the life. That's really the life right there. Alrighty, Well, this has been the Punting on Third College Football Podcast. And remember, ladies and gentlemen, football is a game of field position. <laughs>